1: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
2: hi EllisPod fans it's jr here it's swim the time
3: Happy New Year. Sorry to have left you high and dry last week, but JR did a sterling job in my absence. Yeah, he did, didn't he?
4: But no, that's okay. You're young. What were you doing? Playing Monopoly, I, I think. Um, I went
3: out in Basingstoke with a couple of friends. Oh, wow, that sounds uh, great. Yeah, it was It was fine. It just, it just meant that the next day was... I had very little sleep going to Crawley and going to Crawley's in fun of the best of times. No, no sleep till cruelly, that's for sure. And, oh, yeah, cruelly. That, that, yet again, I get to say one of my favourite phrases. That feels like a long time ago. Yeah, yeah in fact, thankfully it does. It's, you know, transfer window, I guess, gets on top of you quite quickly. But, I mean, <laughs> the fact that I, I remember less about it is a good thing because it was just appalling. Yeah, <laughs> it was gross, wasn't it? It was like,
4: like I said on the pod, I put my £10 down. And then when I saw that Bruett had pulled up in, tray, in in warm-up, I was like, oh no, this is not going to go our way. And it didn't. But we got to say goodbye to Kemp in a lovely way with him scoring a consolation goal, just like the football gods wanted it to be.
3: Yeah, that's that's what his loan really deserved. And to be fair, it was quite a good picture of the season. Dan, Dan Kemp does something great and the rest of us uh, and everyone else plays pretty bad yeah. and Swindon don't win anyway. So yeah. that was, it was quite a good picture If possibly Forest Green was a slightly more perfect goodbye for him. Indeed, indeed. Okay, so we are recording
4: on Zoom, so yeah, audio isn't as great as it is. it should be, as I, as I always say. And it wasn't even great last time when I was on the the alternative but my mic had let me down apologies for that um really happy it's been a busy day in Swindon townlands uh, we've we've even had to delay this episode because of uh, events uh, taking place but it was such such a joy to have three nights off after that Christmas schedule, it's a ruler for those who volunteer without people wanting you to to record your thoughts on a fourth tier football club.
3: Yeah, it's all, it's always nice. I actually got a day off; that was quite good. I haven't had one of those in quite a while because even Sundays turned into press conferences over Christmas. So, yeah, it was it, it's been a fair. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's been other stuff to do, but until today, news is fairly low on the ground. So. It was, it was a fairly chilled out week most of the time it and uh, those who came caught up in the, the live blog that had nothing going on, uh, thank you to you. I feel like we had some fun. <laughs> yes, it's
4: been a nice quiet week. I don't think many people within the fan base are liking silence right now, which we'll talk about. Um, lots to cover, most of it is nothing to do with Colchester this weekend, but I've I've called it the presser, and that's what it is. It certainly doesn't look ahead to the game in much detail this week, but it was a good presser. It was lots of good questions, lots of decent answers, and we'll start with kind of putting an end to the career of Dan Kemp and Jake Young at Swindon because it was discussed. It's been a bit of a weird week. For content, a bittersweet loving <laughs> provided by the club, which didn't feel too great, especially as we're a 16th in League 2 side, but let's face it, their contribution has probably prevented a, a more perilous situation. First of all, horrified to hear that, that your mental state wasn't helped by lots of pitches of Kemp in the uh, reception area. Yeah,
3: because obviously we're at the County Ground today due to um, Storm Hank, um making Beversbrook unplayable, so um we were, obviously, um, people may or may not be aware of the slight delay that we had today. So uh, Andrew and I were sort of sat in uh, the counterground reception and there's a there's a picture of Kemp on the wall celebrating with Godwin Malifa on the first day of the season. And there's also like a, a sort of advertising board in there as well. Mm. And it's Kemp's picture that's used for a Visu ad, uh, advert. And that was sort of coming on every, every minute or so. And I was like, <laughs> he's everywhere I look. <laughs> I just miss him so bad and <laughs> um, so it was it was it was not helping my my mood to be to think ahead to what we had to do the following day which is obviously the Colchester game and uh Swind having to be without him for that one which uh it was very much hammering home this is going to be a bit of a slog
4: yeah how did you feel about the goodbye messages and conversations with Camping Young i i, I, I doesn't really bother me too much. There were fans that were like, this is too much. This is embarrassing. They were six-month lonies in a, a season where we will forget it quite quickly um, versus those that are going, well, you know, they were great. So let's just enjoy the time we had with them. Probably made funnier, Joe, by MK Dons' reaction. And it was a reaction. Nobody can tell me otherwise. Where they made Dan Kemp sit in cold looking <laughs> subs bench at stadium MK kind of smiling like he's that highly gifted uh, montage from is it Narcos um of
3: the guy looking lonely yeah it was it was very Ben when Crawley 2022 uh well 2023 actually our uh, core with, with Kemp uh dead behind the eyes saying, do I really have to do this but you know I'm kind of the same as you I'm if people want to put stuff out. It never really bothers me too much. I quite enjoyed the the video of Kemp and Young watching themselves be good at football because because Jake Young is quite a legitimately funny person. They're they're a nice duo, so I quite enjoyed that. Um, you know, the, the the goodbye messages are, are nice, and I think you know, when when often you know you get, uh, oh why didn't ex manager say goodbye when he left? And we had it this time with these two um, the slightly more sudden departures. So. Uh, I, th- I think if, if it's something that you wanted to, to listen to then that that's good for you I, I didn't mind either way too much myself um but I you know, it was it's nice content and you know this time last year we had none at all
4: no well, that's right the the shutters were down this time last year weren't they uh, so incredibly four years ago, we had the Owen Doyle and Jerry Yates equivalent, the one difference being that town were very, very good. And there was a big month of will they, won't they? And I think we all went a little bit insane. And ultimately, they both came back much to our delight and then COVID ended it anyway. So it was a bunch of wasted energy regardless. But the reason I talk about this and the reason why we start with Camping Young is that Michael Flynn was asked about the two of them during this press conference, and he kind of put the full stop
3: on the whole thing, which, in my opinion, was a good thing. Yeah, fair, fair to say that, um, that Michael Flynn isn't a fan of good rom-com structure, whereas he didn't, he didn't want the will they won't they to begin at all. <laughs> um, he kind of, very realistically, and I think, as you said, probably the right thing to do to not leave any sort of hope out there because uh, poor old Henry would have to deal with that on the socials if people were still expecting them to come back. Um, he essentially said that clearly they've, they've gone to Bradford and been like, so uh, <laughs> how much would he be? And uh, they've said quite a large number. And uh, they're like, all right, no, no, that's fine then. Um, you, you can keep him. So it, it sounded like um, he's been currently linked to Portsmouth as well. So, you know, <laughs> what, what would you rather do? And um, obviously uh, Jake Young, um, as Michael Flynn said himself, is, is probably heading that way towards the top of League One. Um, so all eyes on Bradford's next team sheet to see if they can still do that after the next play. And um, with Dan Kemp, he said, you know, they've tried numerous times for quite a, quite a while. I think I think it was pretty clear from as, as soon as August that Michael Flynn would have rather bought him on a permanent deal in the summer. That didn't happen. They've tried a few times since when he actually proved just how good he was. But um, it tells that MK Dons aren't too keen on selling him, certainly not back to Swindon. So... Uh, is as Michael Flynn said, he's not going to build anyone's hopes up. Uh, it would be very nice if we could have them, but it's just not going to happen. No. Um, what that takes us to now is is a
4: wonderful segue that wasn't really expected because uh, Dan Kemp, in his position, has gone back to MK Dons. They've said that you know they've got the weekend off, so they're going to spend the next two weeks bedding him back into the MK Don squad. So there would inevitably be a player. Sat there, going, "Well, great, he's coming in. He plays in my position. That's me done for. No worries, because <laughs> Swindon have completed a signing, Joe, and it's the person that Dan Kemp is probably going to replace in their eighteen.
3: Yeah, it's the uh, attacking midfielder Dawson Devoy out of MK Dons. know, um, I, I can't say I knew too much about him before about eleven o'clock today, but um, clearly had a very strong uh, reputation at Bohemians, which led to his his move to. Milton keynes not in the first place, and uh, at the the very least, we know that six months ago, Graham Alexander thought he was better than Dan Kemp, which, Mm. think what you like about Graham Alexander, but that was a a thought that a person who works professionally in football for quite a long time had, so um, if if that's anything to go on, then uh, he's going to absolutely explode here, but that does feel a little bit like wishful thinking. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes.
4: Um, he, as you mentioned there, he started his pro career. He certainly started his senior career at Bohemians there in Dublin. Famously, I've said this on the pod before, that I've been to Bohemians to watch uh, them play Dundalk in about 2013. We were looking for Shamrock Rovers. Uh, we got lost and found ourselves at Dalymont Park. Uh, and it was a turgid game. But I was happy to see something. But yeah, he had four seasons with them before moving across to England in 2022, where he has been in and out of the side. Um, Is this Dawson a good signing? Who knows? Will it be yes or will it be sorry? We shall see. But it's just very funny that it's a like for like, really, because I'm pretty sure he's a centre mid, attacking midfield-minded player. So uh, it's a... a, uh, no-brainer for
3: MK Dons. We are good to them, aren't we? Yeah, we're really helping them out. Have oh, you've got too many players now, it might be a bit of a stress on the wage bill. All right, so we'll, we'll take him, ease that a little bit. Um, I've got to say, I would probably rather have Jonathan Lecko or Mo if we're going to have one of their subs. But uh, <laughs> we'll take Dawson DeVoy and hopefully some of that, that promise that saw him named uh, in League of Ireland, Team of the Season and Young Player of the Season two years ago now. Um, and t- take that into the English league, because he has pl- he played a good amount for M.K. Dons in League One, but not so much this season. So um, we'll, we'll see how good he is, and hopefully uh, he will he will prove everyone who has rose into glasses on right. Mm, yeah. Gosh, Wikipedia is our friend, isn't it? Um,
4: it's a very useful tool, I've got to re- say. Really giving us the good stuff on there. So he is hoping... it's. I, I want to make it quite clear that, like, I'm I'm seeing a lot of noise. It's been a it's been a rough week for Swindon fans because after the Crawley game, I don't know why he did it, Joe, but Michael Flynn gave us an estimated number of signings that he wanted to make in the next week, and that resulted in expectations. There's expectation regardless, but as the days passed especially the social media-based Swindon fans or centric Swindon fans got rowdier and rowdier to the point where signing Dawson De- DeVoy on a season-long loan isn't enough. It's not acceptable, but it's not about Dawson DeVoy. It's about the bigger picture, about Swindon Town's policy in in, in building squads, that this does feel a little bit band aid in in terms of, you know, we've lost Kemp, they, they're going to give us a play, great, let's go for it. Um, of course, we're going to see quotes that said we've been after him for ages and, and all that, but it does
3: feel like, uh, well, here he is. Have you got anyone else by any chance? Yeah, it, it definitely does feel that way. And, you know, you can understand people saying that, you know, as soon as Michael Flynn says that, i am going to print, it, it's on the radio. So that's, that's going to get around everyone. But especially as Michael Flynn has been taking some pretty concerted steps not to do exactly that, um, for quite a few weeks now when we've been talking transfers it, it did feel like he got quite rattled by the Crawley game it was like All right narrative's got to change now I'm going to sign six players like, damn it um, so that it, it did feel that way and people got their hopes up quite quickly because um, I can't imagine many teams would be absolutely livid having not signed a player on the 3rd of January before um, or having not signed multiple players even but um, that's the way Swindon went and that's that's where we've been so I don't think, poor Dawson DeVoy, I don't think it was ever going to be quite the quite the plaster that, that the fan base might have needed, but hopefully he can prove himself to be so uh, in the next month and beyond. Can he play this weekend against Colchester? Um, I, I don't think there's official word on it yet, but based on the fact they announced him at three, and these things usually take a, a while after they've actually signed, I like to think he, he had signed before that window. Mm-hmm. And based on Michael Flynn's number of players he had available, which uh, he said was 14 or 15 during this press conference, um, I would imagine he's including that number because they definitely don't have that, that that number without him. Yeah, OK. Well, here's hoping his debut is stellar
4: and gives us a similar return than what Dan Kemp gave us in the first half of the season. So we were told during this press conference that someone was due in for their medical Today, I assume that's going to be Dawson Devoy, and that's gone over the line. Fantastic, because in the in the press, he was very keen not to jinx that. So it, it's happened. What else we got?
3: Yeah, well, he said that uh, ideally they would have had another player in for um in for their medical either today or in the previous days. I think actually the player he said was particularly close on Monday was not Dawson Devoy. Um, he was would have been the supplementary players, but. Um, factors beyond their control have delayed that deal. Uh, those factors uh, were not disclosed. It's almost certainly geography. It always seems to be. <laughs> um, and um, so <laughs> instead, he'll be having uh, that his medical early next week. Um, we don't know specifically when that is, but hopefully, and that could be another player across the line before too long. But um, no, people are never going to like the fact that Michael Flynn said this because he did say it quite a lot in the summer. In terms of the slow transfer market at the moment, but um, and he was he was saying that there's quite a lot of dominoes uh, ahead of Swindon, and other League Two clubs at the moment um, that need to fall, and uh, obviously those haven't happened yet. But if you do look around the league, there's there's been about six signings in League Two so far, so it, th- there's not a huge amount going on. So you, you can see his point on that one.
4: Yeah, and I'm inclined to agree with you there. I mean, I'm pacing my rage. I'm, I'm pacing myself for the month. That doesn't help the fixtures that come up, that are coming up, you know, be it Colchester or Crew, and those that fall after that. But January is notoriously a, a game of chess. Whether you're top of the league or bottom of the league, January simply isn't an easy window to press gang players that are good enough in, into the club. If you're top, Of league two then you're competing with league one for players if you're 16th then you're scrapping it out with 15 clubs above you and those who are immediately below if town didn't have a plan for kemp and young's exits from say october then that's pretty unforgivable but i think we are more victims of our own doing in that respect because Everybody with an an ounce of knowledge understands that this window has so many factors beyond your control that you you have to sort yourself out in advance. And that is why you build a squad in August and before, because when January comes, it's about supplementing. It's about adding to your squad. And yeah, sure, if you lose a player, then you can just bring another player in if if you can. It's not about building your squad at that stage. It really is just
3: to complement, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's very fair. I think January is kind of more an opportunistic window um, than the summer. It's who becomes available because of various other factors. And Michael has been building that up for some while and you know, to take him on face value, he has been working very hard for a long time on what players he would be able to bring in. So I think he does have a plan. I think his plan has not worked maybe as quickly as would have been ideal um, clearly in terms of the players that he wants, but Yeah, January is never going to be simple because no one wants to make their squad smaller. Um, Swindon's squad was already far too small um, because they just frankly didn't do a good enough job last summer. And so January is going to be a very tough one. So which is what means that makes it so that when you see Kemp and Young and Mahoney all leave, you kind of think it's going to be incredibly tough to replace them anyway, especially in January. Yeah, I almost want to say, have we had confirmation on Ben Ward yet? But we haven't, have we? No, there's there's not nothing official on Ben Ward yet. Um, we're still kind of waiting on um, what is going to happen officially again officially. But we all know what's going to happen with Ben Ward. He's he's not going to be a Swindon player for too much longer. You would you'd be very very surprised if if anything went the other way because he's you know he's been injured for so long. He's been with back with Burnley for almost all of his actual Swindon loan spell. And frankly, Swindon don't need another player who's injured, so they could they could do with just using that loan spot on someone else. And you would imagine they will do that. Yeah, yeah. So to emphasise, you know,
4: Swindon might sign two, three, four, five players this window. It you know, hopefully they all work out. But the problem isn't the players they're going to be bringing in. It's it's the sort of scramble to make sure that we've got a squad that that can compete. And we should have done that in the summer, isn't it? That really is the, the big
3: issue here. Yeah, the crux of the issue is they were they were just far too tight in the summer. Everyone could see it coming. You know, I don't think there was a single person that came out of that summer window and thought we have got enough enough players here. Um, you know, to go net to go net le- negative on transfer deadline day in terms of number pl- number of players uh, in September. That was incredibly worrying, and. They, you know, they couldn't get things done in the free agent market, which was also going to be really difficult because you're picking off scraps. And it, they, it, was, it was just a really, really poor window as much as they got in some players who are actually pretty good. They didn't get nearly enough of them. And I think Michael Flynn knew that. We knew that. Clint Morfone probably deep down did know that, but didn't do enough about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's been further news on the squad
4: front whilst we've been recording. And that is a new contract.
3: Yes, William Cocolo's situation was talked about in the press conference. Uh, Michael Flynn said that at the time, uh, his contract ran until the 14th of January. And now that is no longer true because it runs until the 30th of June. He signed a new contract to the end of the season. This, well, I mean, this wouldn't have surprised anyone if Michael Flynn hadn't said, "Uh, well, we're going to pause on Cocolo for a bit um, a few weeks ago and then said something pretty different to that subsequently, so um I, I think everyone anticipated that Kukola would be staying, he's come in proved himself to be fine and Swindon could do with a bit of fine right now, so here he is he's saying to the end of the season we can all, not rejoice but be generally <laughs> fine with that
4: Yeah, and I think it's that fine is why maybe other clubs haven't come in for him, like if he had been wow, look at this guy, then I think other clubs might have uh, maybe swarmed around Swindon for him. But because you, you see the potential, the potential is clearly there, but he's been fine. It's probably worked in our benefit because I don't think we're going to get crazy better players than Williams Cocolo this 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 window. So let's, let's keep hold of him and let's hope he continues to develop.
3: Yeah, that that's got to be the hope, as you say. No, he kind of did it that the way around, You're almost hoping for. You no, know, he, he's not torn up any trees before January, so that now no one can actually come and get him in, unless unless he does a Kieran Freeman, I guess. Um, so he can he can now be as good as he wants. Frankly, uh, he's he's got he's got pace and he can put the ball in. His decision making seems to be quite quick, generally on the pitch. So, you know that there is a player there. A lot of people have seen it. AS Monaco saw it a long time ago. Uh, Middlesbrough saw it. Sunderland saw it. So there is clearly a talented player in there. He is still working back from a long time away from football, and that's never going to be too simple. So uh, if he can, he you would expect him to continue getting better across across the weeks. If that doesn't happen, then there's, there's something slightly strange going on. But you know, he's he's now Swindon's and that's that's going to be useful because you know we 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 needed a left wing back, and and he is one certainly is, he certainly is. Okay, so
4: we have three that have left in the last week or so, all three lone players, four if you include, include Ben Ward. I'm going to include you, Ben. Um, it's not gone to plan. So three of those were first on the team sheet sort of players. Are questions being
3: asked about players leaving at the moment? Um, we didn't really think that far ahead. Far I think. Priority number one today was where, where the hell are the players. So um, I think we'll, we'll probably get to you know, who's who's heading out in a week or so, but you have to expect that they can't do that. Um, can't, of course, the side who can't probably being the one with the most rumours linking him away. Um, but I, the, the squad, frankly, is not big enough that unless there's a huge offer and you've got someone else lined up... Um, they they simply cannot get rid of anyone in my opinion. I I you know, even someone who's someone people don't like and Michael Flynn wants to get some of the I don't want to say bad eggs, but people with, with not the right attitude out of the club. I, I don't even think you can get them out because then, you know, Sonny Hart is on the bench every week and you know Sonny Hart is fine, but he's also 17 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And those outgoings when there's money involved,
4: they tend to be nearer to the end of the window, don't they?
3: Yeah, definitely. That's, you know, when Michael Flynn talks about domino effect, that's one of them where you know, if, if someone's gets a bit desperate towards the end, maybe they couldn't find the slightly more inexpensive option um, that came to them slightly early on then they will start to be willing to pay. Um, we, know, we know what sides in League Two would be willing to pay. <laughs> um, so And so at, at that point, you know, may, maybe they start to make those offers, and if, if Swindon have been able to to do the the deal ahead of time, to mean that they don't they can now afford to let a player go, and that would be a good position to be in, and they can hopefully bank some money for a Saidou Khan or a Mayo Hutton who they have invested in. Um, then then that would be useful, but they would be, frankly, it would be even more stupid than what they did in the summer if they were to get rid of someone now without having someone else in the building who is a replacement for them. Yeah, I sort of dread the final forty eight hours of the
4: window more than anything else. I think everything else in the build up, I'm I'm relaxed about, you know, our form isn't great, we need bodies, it's what can I do? There's nothing more I can do as a fan, other than it's it's one of those situations at the moment. He was asked about restructuring the team because key players are leaving. And what does he say
3: here? Yeah, um it was it was what everyone would expect him to say, really um he's we we know he's never going to stop the style he didn't put that style in place for Jake Young necessarily for example uh Jake Young was the fourth choice striker when he got here so um they, they weren't necessarily thinking about think about it that way but he's he also, he's obviously concerned by the, the conceding and it's very difficult not to be when you conceded 50 um but he's he's um he's still going with the line that you no, know, the, the real problem is players switching off, and that's that's what's been costing the goals. Uh, he brought that up again as being as being the the main factor in the Crawley defeat, um, and that's and that's still the way he's, he's thinking. Um, and then he kind of got into the sort of the injury matters at all, and and you know having the players back and be fully fit, which a lot of them haven't been. Right. Uh, he singled out Saidi Khan, um, Jake Young, and Dan Kemp. Didn't really know about Dan Kemp before, but like he did what he did during december without being fully fit is you know without even really training is, is pretty goddamn impressive so that's 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 kind of where it wouldn't have been that you know they, they have 12 or 13 first teamers but not even all of them are able to train at the moment so um that was so I think he's hoping that with a few more free midweeks coming up this month which uh, all of them all of the weeks for the rest of january are, um, if you exclude the Manchester United FA Youth Cup game, which technically speaking, half of the bench will be playing in, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> then then he does get the time to try and get people back into the fold and, uh, and help it out that way.
4: Yeah, that's very optimistic. Gosh, we need it, don't we? And uh, they rolled the dice in August, be it because they couldn't afford to do anything else or they thought that they'd be okay because a couple of seasons ago we had a really good uh, fitness record in terms of uh, Ricky McFarlane and his team um, we seem to just go a whole season without really losing anyone really important throughout the whole campaign and we've kind of maybe took a similar gamble this year and it's the complete opposite impact and it's but it's one that was highlighted it was dismissed where do you stand on like the the player switching off surely there, there's something a manager a coach and staff can do on that front surely we just don't go well we we worked hard in training everything
3: went well and on the day they balls it up what can we do yeah it's- I've I've been thinking about this for a while actually. I was stood in the dugout listening to him speak to Andrew Hawes after Crawley, and thinking, is there a way of wording a question that would get any sort of answer? Um, of is there nothing you can do tactically about players making mistakes or you know, switching off and or like accounting for that? And I, I'm kind of just thinking what he would say back in his head, uh, in my head, and he was he was very much sort of not really. Um, so. You know, it's quite a tough position to argue against because if that is what he is always going to say, then you know, it's it's quite difficult to say. Well, because there isn't, frankly, there isn't a tactical system that does account for players not doing what they're supposed to because that's just they're not doing, <laughs> not doing what you're telling them to do. So, um, it's 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 a strange one. I, I I think there is always credibility when he says it because they don't because often the t- often when you watch the goals back it is you know for example Crawley's third goal not one player tracks or Danilo orsi and the same for the first goal against Crawley so it's like I'm watching it and you're right but that can't have always been the case you can't keep doing that there must be something else there or there has to be something else you can do but I, I don't think we're ever gonna. I I I if anyone can think of the words to ask that question um, in a way that you actually ask a human being, by the way, not some of the questions I do get um, told to ask him, um, and and or and find a way to to word it properly, then then I, I'm more than happy to ask it. But I I just don't think we're ever gonna get anything else because it's hard to argue. They're just not doing what I'm telling them to do. You need to do it once, though. Ask it once,
4: just so you can prove that. Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. That's probably fair. Yeah, (laughs) Touché. A telling off you don't want and don't fancy,
3: because he's been quite nice to you recently. Even this week said you had a good question. Yeah, he said I nearly caught him out with one of my questions as well, which was nice. Um, I'm improving, but yeah, um, it's just when when, you know the, the... what you're going to get back is essentially what has already been said. Sure. Then then I, I was like, I'm not going to bother wasting my time. But I, I do probably agree with you that it, it's worth it's worth putting it to him.
4: It felt like Shrove Tuesday at Crawley because that game was flat as a pancake, thus creating many observations about energy levels and so forth. And Finn was asked about
3: this. Yeah, he was asked in terms of getting a more energetic performance. And uh, his, his first thought was, yeah, but Crawley were flat too. They just scored free goals. Um, yeah, he he said that it was in terms of that game, it, it felt like one too far for Swindon, which, given that Tranmere and Wrexham were also flat, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. But um, he he said that it was it was just sort of a generally pretty flat game with both sides lacking a bit of energy as, as they'd been sacked quite significantly by having to play as as often as they had in the ten days prior. So that that was that was kind of where he was with it and. You know he again he was back to the uh we, we've we've now had a week where we can we can recover players a bit more thoroughly than they were able to do over the Christmas period and they'll continue to have those and hopefully that will constitute a bit more energy on Saturday but that's going to be a believe it when I say it situation.
2: yeah
4: agreed. so where are we on the injury front so a few players we've been expecting to return what's the situation?
3: Yeah, after Crawley, we were we were told that there was a reasonable chance that Hepburn Murphy and Tom Clayton uh, would be back, but um, and obviously Tom Brew went went down with an injury in that game, but there was there was no real kind of uh, timeline on, on where he was with that. So um, where we are ahe- one day ahead of Colchester is that Tom Brew is likely to be playing. Um, hopefully that means definitely, because otherwise we'd be even more screwed. Um, Hepburn Murphy, he was very conflicted over what he could be able to do. He said that he could play some part, but given his injury history and the fact that he is kind of close, but probably not all the way there back, um, then he need he, he would need to, in his words, sleep on the decision and take everything into account before he decides to play him or not. And then with Tom Clayton, he's had another setback. So he's now uh, not close. He won't be playing. And they're still waiting on, uh, waiting on what the the full word is on where he is. And he said he, he thinks he has fourteen or fifteen fit professionals, which, by my count, he has twelve. So I would have to assume he's including um, at least Dawson Davoy and uh, maybe someone else. Who knows? An extraordinary situation we find ourselves in.
4: Uh, Clayton's just a really sad story Hepburn Murphy I'll, I'll, I'll be fascinated to see what the full story is there for the sore that they can't figure out
3: and like you said Bruett simply has to come back yeah that's essentially it. I think Hepburn Murphy if you know the, the, everyone knows the rumour out there by now about well, what, what people are saying about why he can't play but obviously we knew he had the injury history that was the gamble all along and that's he's really been hindered by that this season Tom Clayton you know, pretty much since a, a great opening six months, he's barely been available since, and when he has, he's not looked quite the same. So he's he's really struggling at the moment. With six months left in his deal, he's in he's in quite a tough position, and we frank, frankly can't do without Tom Britt tomorrow because there is because otherwise we're up against a very a very stony wall in terms of what that team is going to look like.
4: Certainly is certainly is okay. Shall we go to the Joe Zone? Yeah. Hello everybody, summer is here and when there's no Swindon Town, I do enjoy using my favourite streaming services to watch, you know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before, but hey, I love it, okay, so don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the Chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home, but no more. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer.
2: Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell Outlet Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1. Well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with Muck Delivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
4: Gets Good pass out to Rob. He's, he's got very few people around him because Just because of the way that the midfield is structured for Swindon It makes it very difficult for him to combine with anyone anyway. Conroy tries to float a ball out wide left to Andlo. Williams will be able to pick this up after a step handlow has it wide on the left-hand side oh, brilliant. Early ball into the box, McCurdy's there on the back
3: post And Swindon take the lead Delicious ball from Andlo to the back stick And McCurdy guides it past the goalkeeper how big of a challenge is it? So in the last 13 games, you've had three players not called Dan Kemp or Jake Young who've scored a goal. How big of a managerial challenge is that on multiple different levels in sort of you know in the space of six days, like making a team set up so it isn't quite so reliant on two people?
0: Well, obviously they're going to be big misses. Um, so less less let let's not dress it up. I think between them um, they have contributed. You know, either scored or assisted in over 40 goals, which is an unbelievable um, record for them both. But it's a team game; it's 11 players on the pitch, and whoever comes in have, has got a chance to state their own claim and to make their own mark. Um,
3: and with your own loanies is there any chance for Aguiar and Adeloid to come back,
0: or are they staying? Possibly. Um, I'm, um, I've been sitting down with Jamie and and putting things together. The, if we had got the players in straight away, um, I'm not sure, but you know Ricky has done, has done well, for example, 11, 12 goals, five assists. Yeah. So um, you know maybe he's earned the right to have a closer look at. Um, so yeah, that's n- nothing's confirmed on that, but that's you know, we, we have had those discussions. So need for the movie back for Colchester. Never say never.
3: So you can still do it? I don't just don't know how quick you can turn this thing around. Yeah. I would um I would wait
0: and see. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. That's a good question.
4: Ooh, a good question. Yeah. So I guess the thing that really fascinated me on this was the Agua Adaloy chats. Because I d I don't think it's unfair to say that in previous conversations. The notion of them getting recalled was not something that Flynn was keen on. And he gave reasons. it got to be better. I think, you know, Aguirre is probably better than a couple of our under-18s on the bench. But Adeloy has played one. I say that again. Adeloy has started one game for Partick Thistle in the league this season. It's not gone well for him up, up there. And I think he was a bit more nudge nudge, wink wink to Ricky Aguilar than he was Adeloy. But it's a it's a complete reversal on where his mind was at a little while ago, Michael Flynn, and that
3: doesn't bode well for the month for me. Yeah, if he's because he even said in the answer that if he got the signings he was hoping for by now, he wouldn't be really thinking about it in the same way. So he wasn't planning on bringing either of them back. My reading of what he said is that. Ricky Aguiar is already back and will probably be playing tomorrow in some capacity. That's that's what I got from what he said, given, again, the 14 or 15 fit professionals, that seems to fit into having at least one more player back. And then, you know, he's just trying to keep Colchester on, on their toes, which we know he likes to do with opposition sides quite a lot. But he's, he's seen, he he seemed was more, a lot more positive about Aguiar than he's ever been before. And, and his performances at Worthing and then was very sh- shifty when when pushed on, if, if they're going to be back, if going to be recalled. So I, I I might be reading into it too much, but I believe that from what he's saying here, that Aguilar will be involved tomorrow.
4: Yeah. And then it'd be interesting to see how that goes, because you, you can see he's got the potential and he's clearly too good for the National League South, because every time he's down there, he looks like, a world-beater, but it's a big gap. It may only be two divisions, but it's still a big gap. And we saw what he could do, that Walsall game, where for a little while he looked like he was the signing of the century. If we can get that out of him. But it's it's, it's the same old story with a lot of players in the last year or so, where we can see the potential. We can see that they're capable,
3: but just don't see enough of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really tough. <laughs> it's two divisions, and we've seen quite a lot of players be be good a few divisions below and not step up. And there are many who have been good a few divisions below and have done so. So it's it's difficult to gauge where he'll be. I think Swindon are in a position of you just can't really afford to not give him the chance to show it. He's been, frankly, brilliant for, for Worthing this season. Double-figure goals, plenty of assists. Uh, when I've spoken to p- people who watch Worthing fairly regularly, they're incredibly impressed with him and how he's come on as a player. Um, across that loan spell, and some, a significant jump from when he was there before. So, um, hopefully, he's cut. This has been that, that Scott Twine moment for him where he's grown up. He's He looks he looks bigger when you see pictures of him. He looks more physically imposing um, now than he did before. And hopefully, he's ready. Um, you know, he, he might, with Dawson Devoy, you'd assume he's kind of the, the immediate thought as a Kemp replacement. So, he might have to be. The number one for Swindon. We're not relying on him to do too much, but I think he's probably deserving of a chance, and we can see if he's ready. If he's not, maybe we can see if he's ready in the summer by giving him some time in the National League by the end of the month. Yeah, and that's what he has. He has that extra year,
4: so time is on Aguilar's side, isn't it? So let's see how it goes. Let's let's talk about Colchester United. Um, they've won only twice in their last 10 games. Unfortunately, that ru- that run of 10 games started with a 3-1 win over at Swindon Town. In more recent times, in December onwards, they have lost home cr- to Crawley 2-1. They've lost away to Wrexham 2-1. Then they beat Salford at home 2-1. Then a cracker at AFC Wimbledon, but they lost it 5-3. And more recently, on New Year's Day, they lost at home to Ginningham, 1 0. That was enough for Colchester to remove the recently appointed Matty Etherington, uh, which might be a little bit of relief because he enjoyed, I think, 100% win rate over Swindon, two wins out of two, Crawley and then Colchester early in the season. But in come the Cowley brothers, Danny assisted by his brother Nicky. Uh, I think they're also unbeaten against Swindon over four games, two wins, two draws um during their successful lincoln years uh, town alumni uh, took penalties at port vale mandela egbo got his over the line before the bright lights of the valley lured him away from town and of course our f- former favorite piece of furniture lsi andelo is returning to the cg he's been injured for most of the season But he returned shortly before Christmas, so we should expect to see them. Also this week, they have made a signing too. Former Leighton Orient and Walsall forward, Connor Wilkinson. So many Connors flitting around League Two at the moment. He signed from Motherwell. Um, They're in a wretched bit of form at the moment. Not too dissimilar from ours, um, especially in... More recent games, one win in in five. I think they 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 even worse than we are, but it's it's such a weird game to call because of our own form. And and Flynn is always, you know, you concentrate on yourselves. But this this is
3: an essential
4: essential win. This needs to be a win for Swindon.
0: Yeah,
3: I think just to quiet everything down a little bit, give give them a little bit more time of what they're doing. So are in such bad form right now that that to kind of stave off those again those kind of relegation fears which is where Colchester are you know you've got to be beating them at home um as you as you say is their record against Colchester the Cowleys uh, Mountie Everington all of it is really really bad of late so they don't look at history please <laughs> um, but they, they, they need to get something here they just need to shift that mood a little bit because um, and I, I, I felt I felt all week that this could get quite toxic on Saturday if they didn't get anything done. Um, they got they got one piece of business done, but it's probably not going to be enough to prevent that um, this weekend. So it's a uh, it, they're gonna the players are going to need to try and help their manager and their owner out this weekend. Yeah, we
4: we haven't been. Very good at scoring against Colchester in the last couple of years, either no more than one, if we do score at all. What did did Finn say about Colchester and um, most importantly, I suppose, the Cowley brothers who have only been in for a couple of days?
3: Yeah, he was asked obviously about the the new appointment, the Cowleys, he said um, a bit like he said about Scott Lindsay, really in terms of uh, he really likes them. And then um, quite interestingly went into reasons why maybe they aren't that good because Lincoln were big spenders and they got promoted because of it and then they've, they've had time at Huddersfield and Portsmouth since um, but he was generally very very complimentary about them as people um, yeah, I think he said it was a year and a half but it was actually they were appointed a year and two days and so they left Portsmouth mm. um, to get the Colchester job um, he, he said they clearly feel it's the right project um, mm. I would be interested to see why that is because Colchester have been uh, struggling for a while now um, but he was, and then kind of went back to the "we need to focus on us" and, uh, <laughs> shtick that we always get. And then he talked a little bit about Conor Wilkinson, but on the live blog, I accidentally uh, closed the window by pressing Control W instead of oh. uh, Up cap, uh, Up Uppercase W. Um, so, that, so, that, so that kind of threw me for a second there. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's not out there. But uh, obviously, he was very complimentary <laughs> about Wilkinson. And uh, then had a bit of a laugh and a joke about uh, he was one of the players at Walsall last season who got injured, um, and then I think went back after their loan, um, and then the kind of parallels to that particular situation that Swindon have been in this season as well. Mm, Yeah, injuries are plenty
4: for Michael Flynn over the last two seasons, and less so in you know every time we play Colchester, I always cite that they've got plenty of players that we've all heard of, probably less so this time round but they still got players like Cameron McGeehan, Joe Taylor, you know, players that that you, you you think they must find clubs that aren't colchester and i say that probably it sounds disrespectful but they have been stinking out league 2 for a good few years now and that's you know that's you know coming from me who supports a mid table league 2 side but colchester fans must be this appointment was huge, whoever it was going to be for Colchester, because their luck's going to run out eventually.
3: Yeah, they've been sucking the drain pretty much since uh, town legend John McGreal left. And they've they've got to have been pretty worried. Cowley's obviously a big name to get them in um, to replace Everington. So they're, they're probably feeling quite good coming into this game, actually, as much as they were complaining a few weeks ago about the ticket prices. I think a, a few of them have probably folded on that particular debate um in the past few days because they'll they'll be quite excited about about what that could potentially mean but you know as you say uh, a bunch of the Ipswich lot have left now and um, obviously they lost junior chamedu in the summer um so their their squads their squads moving backwards it feels like um and they've 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 got to start they've got to start moving up they've got managers you would expect could do that for them but there's, there's, there's clearly something going on at Colchester that isn't working. So it's tough to say that they have too much confidence in them, except when they play Swindon, when they become, uh, you know, 1970s Brazil. Mm, indeed. Okay, so what's your prediction for this game? Um, I'm going to go two all. I don't think anyone's uh-huh. it feeling particularly good, to be honest. And obviously, uh, Swindon have got to concede at least a few goals because it'll all be tired, and we don't have very many players. And we always concede goals. All one. Austin Hattrick and a Bruett header at the end. Let's go. I mean, <laughs> how do you love it to happen. I've got absolutely zero faith, even if even if you are removing yourself from the equation. I, I,
4: I have a family event. I can't go. This similar happened last year with Austin's return, same weekend. Still haunts me that I missed that game against Grimsby. 4-1 Swindon. Austin Hattrick Brew it
3: header at the end And then caps it off With two more signings Announced in the post-match interview Let's go Let's go Joe thank you very much Thank you very much Rich <laughs> Good
0: by him and now
4: The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music for the presser is provided by the awesome Drag Me Down and the podcast logo was created by the most spended, Matt in Singapore.
2: Thanks for listening.
1: Come on you Reds! Come on did.